I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bible this morning to Luke chapter 2. What am I saying? Oh, stand up, son. My grandson, stand up. Today, ladies and gentlemen, there's a man in the house. 21, happy birthday, Clay. <laughs> I forgot. I should have gotten that. I remember a story back when my spiritual heroes who talked in camps for years and years at Brother George Brazel, gone with the Lord many years. He told the story about the day a young man, he, he turned 21, and he was in bed, and he woke up, and it was his 21st birthday, and he decided that he would make an announcement in his house, and with everything he could muster in volume, he just went, there's a man in the house! And everybody got up and got running, looking, maybe got a defense weapon or something. They're looking at the front door and everywhere. And finally, nobody found anyone. Nobody found anyone. He said about six of them came and lined around my bed, and I'm laying there and say, George, where is that man? And he said, he's laying right here. <laughs> you just got to love it. You just got to love it. Congratulations, son, 21. Wow. I love life, don't you? It has its, has its great positives. I know it has negatives, but thank God for life. I intend to enjoy it every day I'm here. Luke chapter 2. I am in the third part of a series called Confessions of Christmas, and I, I just felt like this a couple of months ago, and I put myself to mind that, and uh, I've preached the last two weeks on it, and today perhaps... Uh, next Sunday, kind of defend, depending on how I feel, the leading of the Spirit of the Lord. But my wife this morning was up early, and she was telling me that one of my, my uh, favorite pastors was on television, and she said, he's preaching your messages. And I said, what? How can that be? And she said, well, it's not the same, but he's preaching kind of on the same subject. And I went, wow, okay. And uh, so I got in my truck, and I headed to my office a little bit later, and, and I turn it on as I usually do to the pre. I love to hear preaching. I, I love preaching, and I heard a man. I don't know who he is. He was preaching on the sayings of the angels and Elizabeth Mary, and I just went, wow, these guys have somehow they've snuck into my office. They have this, and uh, actually, to be honest with you, I kind of felt like, Lord, these are big boys. They're on television. They're on radio, and I kind of felt like, Lord, I thank you that maybe it's just the same sovereign God that says America needs this message in this late hour. And I want to be a part of that. How about you? Amen. And I said, Lord, I just think you kind of confirmed that you want this word. I, I, it's just these proclamations about Christmas have so much in them that we read over and miss. And I want you to join me today in Luke 2. I've talked about the first week about... Uh, the angel speaking to Mary, Gabriel to Mary. And last week I talked about then when Mary went to Elizabeth's house, the Spirit of God came upon Elizabeth and prophesied a Spirit-filled woman upon Mary. Today I want to go to some very uh, known portions of the Christmas story. I want to talk about the angel that appeared unto the shepherds. Um, it started out one angel, then there became a host of angels on this, 
In the first message, I stated that Christmas message is the most unique message humanity has ever encountered. I believe that to be true. The message is that God came to earth, and God came to earth to redeem humanity from a fall. He came to change our eternal destiny. Young people, mom and dad, ladies and gentlemen, God loves the image bearers, his image bearers. God loves humanity. And it's just like God to just do things that always sort of shakes up the, our, our love of a sense of, of security when we do things the same way all the time. How many of you have routines? How many of you have habits? How many of you know that we sort of, we, we like them, don't we? And when something changes that, we don't like it so much. I, would, I want to read you a great part of the Christmas story, Luke 2. If you have your telephone or your iPad or your Bible, a real Bible, you can turn with me. Luke chapter 2, I'm going to go to verse 8. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign unto you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. I want to just stop and say, if you just read through those verses again, I just want to show you something. We'll get to it a little bit later. An angel stood before them in verse 9, and they were afraid. The angel said, do not be afraid. I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. There is born, verse 11, to you this day a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign, verse 12, to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. Never ever underestimate the fact that God loves the individual. God knows where you are. God, you have, He has called you the apple of His eye. Verse 13, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest on earth, peace. Aren't you glad for that message? Aren't you glad for the message of peace? Peace on earth. Goodwill. I want you to say that word with me. Goodwill. Say it with me again. Goodwill. Where? Toward men. Goodwill toward men. Don't ever let somebody tell you we have a vicious, vengeful God. It is goodwill toward men. A merciful, grace-giving, long-suffering God that brings us salvation. Verse 15. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen them, him, <clears throat> they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things 
which were told them by the shepherds. What an amazing event this was. Father, take your word today. May it, may it become a part, Lord, of our spirit and our soul. God, may it lead us in this late hour when we are in such a need of a revival. I pray, I pray, Lord, you speak it to each of us and be glorified in it. In the name of Christ, I pray, let everybody say amen. I want to say again, God loves the image bearers, the human family. And I want to say again, it's just like God to come in all of our normality and all of the things that we get in, in, in consistency and the routines. And then in all the stratas of man's society and all the concepts that the human race has, no matter what civil mindset there may be, we structure ourselves and we judge and put people in categories and it's just like God to announce the greatest news to those whom society had totally detested and overlooked. Shepherds were considered the lowest of the low in the first century Judah. These people were despised, mostly young men, but some in middle age. Yet, in spite of their low standing. In the eyes of humanity, God favored and he blessed them by including them in the unfolding events of the very first Christmas. Don't just read over that and bypass that. At the morning of the Christmas, for these shepherds, in their mind, I'm sure it would just be another day, a simple day and night. However, right in the middle of that which they thought, and like we think, that which was ordinary, God broke into that world, that ordinary world, with a supernatural revelation and supernatural glory. I want to tell you something. We're familiar with this natural world, and we love it. I thank God for the creation. All this was created for we human beings. God even gave us it went through Adam and Eve, the power of it. And he said, subdue it. I gave it to you. Every blade of grass, every leaf on a tree, every beautiful animal, everything about creation was this loving God saying to humanity, I give this to you. And it says, I love you. 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 I love you in this 10 billion trillion ways. That was the message God put in the garden. And that's the message God has for us today. But waiting at one negative, that one isolated negative, was someone who is dedicated to ruin your life. Because love, ladies and gentlemen, has to be a choice. It can't be mechanical. It can't be a push-button thing. If somebody's going to love us and we're going to love somebody, it has to be a volunteer and a mutual thing. It is a spirit thing, but it is a powerful thing. Amen? It has to be proven. And so, waiting at that decision, here came the enemy. Right in the middle, however, in this Christmas time, here was this angel that broke into their ordinary. Behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them. The glory of the Lord shone round about them. And these young men were scared to death. You say, well, why would that be? I want you to just... Notice 
the proclamations here. First of all, they said, do not be afraid. And they were sore. The old King James Version said they were sore afraid. Here the adverb, greatly afraid. All through Scripture, fear seemed to be the common response to an angel's appearance. Probably would to us today if they appeared in an angelic way. However, in the New Testament, we do know that there have been angels that God has sent among people. And the New Testament instructs us that some have entertained angels unaware. That means, in my concept, that they had to appear in human form and they were not recognized as angelic beings. But here, this was an angel. He appeared with great glory that, en that enveloped all of them. Let me tell you, these young men set up and paid attention. One thing's for sure, fear was the common experience at the first Christmas because earth was not accepting of and not expecting of the supernatural of God to break into it. I will tell you this, God promised to came the first, come the first time, He came the first time. He's promised to come the second time and He will. God will not come unannounced, but He will come by surprise. That's why He said you be ready at any moment. Fear was this common human reaction. Let me just take you to the fact that Mary, this young 14, 15-year-old virgin girl, no doubt she feared the ostracism of those who did not understand her special circumstances. And I don't know if you've ever put yourself in Mary's place or not, but just consider this. I don't know if you've been in a place like this or not, but I've experienced it, and I know it had to be magnified many times by Mary, and that is this. Can you imagine trying, in a sense, to defend what was going on to people who didn't understand? How many of you know that would be, in her case, near impossible? Have you ever been in a place where you've been misunderstood and you couldn't change anybody's mind about it? That, that's a painful thing. And when the angel told her that, this fear, no doubt, came upon her. And what about Joseph, this young fiancé of hers? He feared perhaps the responsibility of caring for both a wife and a child at some 15 years of age. What about the king, Herod? He, was, he feared being displaced by this king's position. In this story of the Christmas story, the, the, we think three kings because there were three gifts. There may have been more, but we know they traveled. took them almost two years. And let's be honest, the, the crash, the story, the, the, the manger scene we see has wise men, but it was two years. Christ was two years old when they finally got there. But they came to Jerusalem, and they went to the Herod and said, Where is he that's born king of the Jews? We want to find him. We want to worship him. And suddenly... Herod was thinking, wait a minute, I'm king of the Jews, and you say one's born king of the Jews? Watch, he went and consulted, and he came back and he said, you go and find him and come back and tell me so I can go and worship him too. Let me paraphrase that and interpret it for you. You go find him, because when you do, I'll see that he didn't take my throne. I will murder this baby. And read on the scripture. Let's go on. All Jerusalem feared Herod and his cruelty. Everybody knew it. And the wise men were afraid of the wrath of Herod. And when they did find Christ and they did worship him, the scripture explicitly says they did not return to Herod. They went home another way. Thank God for 
articulate things in the Word of God. And here, with all that fear, here's shepherd boys. They fear the angel of the Lord. But I want you to notice something right up front. Before all these announcements, before all the decorations, before all the confessions of these angels, and before all these events transpire, the very first word out of the angel was, do not be afraid. I want to tell you something. Humanity hadn't changed much in 2,000 plus years. I want to tell you, the message from God's throne, do not be afraid, needs to be heard today in our generation. I've never seen a place where people are so full of question and so full of fears about what might happen and what's going to transpire in our world. Understand this, if you are under the blood of Jesus Christ, the message is this. Can I say it like this? God says, I paid the price. I've got this. Don't be afraid. That's good news, isn't it? How many of you know he's the eternal God and he does what he wants to, when he wants to, how he wants to, and doesn't ask anybody about it? Thank God he's God. Great, great beginning. Verse 10, secondly, they said, Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Can you just let me say that again and, and just catch the, the wow of this confession? Put yourself in the shepherd boy's place out on the hillside. It's dark at night. An angel appears. Glory shines about. And this angel says, Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. That's quite a bit to swallow. I want to look at some words right quickly. There are four of them there. The first one is behold. The Greek is idu. It means in present and future tense. That word behold means this in this particular verse. It means I want you to know. I want you to be aware. Consider. Perceive. See. Observe. Understand. And most of all, Idu, I want you to know you're going to be witnesses. Eyewitnesses. Behold. All that little word comes into play with the idea, and let me paraphrase it without doing damage to the scripture or the angel. The angel this is my paraphrase. I'm about to tell you something, shepherd lads, so dynamic and so eternal changing and so world changing that it will bewilder you, but you will be the witnesses and once you see it, you will testify of it everywhere you go. And let me tell you what's kind of unique about that. It's one thing to say that to a group of people who are respectable who have good reputations. It's one thing to say that to someone who can, who can understand that and comprehend it, or it's a trust factor. But here's, here's why it's so surprising. That is the most profound message of hope and peace and salvation, and it was entrusted to shepherds. They were despised. They, they were the most despised class of people. They were the outcasts from all respectable society. Listen to this. In their day, when this happened, shepherds, 
their honesty and their integrity was so questionable that they were not even allowed to testify in the court of law in their days. And yet, these things happening, God comes to earth, it will be so unique and so factual and so historical and so articulated by this angel that even the most degraded character known to that society cannot deny it. They will tell it and they will know it's true. All that is in the word, behold. Wow, the power of the word of God, amen? Secondly, tidings. Good news, good tidings. Late breaking news. The shepherds, you will be, let me borrow from our local TV channel this, you will be on the scene, on the story. First to report. You don't have a helicopter, but you'll get it. Isn't that neat? Good tidings. And then he said, great joy. This news will affect every human heart on earth. This news will promise a hope and it'll be placed inside the human heart. The next words were to all people. Let me just say this about it and I'll move on. It begins with those who are considered the lowest. It will include those who are considered the highest and it will include everyone in between for God is not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. It will not be fruitful for all people, for some will reject it. But ladies and gentlemen, it's available for all people. Because God is not willing that any should perish. Aren't you glad that God didn't exclude anybody? Point number three. In verse 11, he said a Savior is born. And watch this. He said, he is Christ the Lord. A Savior is born. And he is Christ the Lord. A Savior is born, and He is Christ the Lord. Didn't say He will be born. He might be born. Notice what the angel said. The Savior is born. He is Christ the Lord. That very day in Bethlehem. Let's go to the Word again. In Bethlehem which was the city of David. Go read all the prophecies back to Adam and Eve. There will come a child out of Mary's seed, and he will be Messiah, and he will come out of the lineage of David. And Bethlehem is the city of David. They said in the city of David, and it's also Bethlehem was called the house of bread. This is God in the very staple of all human life. I'm going to make him common among you, but from him all eternal life will come. In the city of David. And he's out of the house of bread. I just want you to see the love of God for humanity there. Understanding how we're, he put us together. The angel was specific in his confession. Watch this. The who of the confession is Christ the Lord. This isn't just anybody. This is the Christ this is the Lord. That's the who. The where of the confession was Bethlehem. It was specific. The when of the confession was today. And the what of confession was a Savior has been born. 
Watch the power and the full words the angel had to these young men. The angel articulated this. He said, he is Christ. Let's take from that moment and go all the way back to Genesis, the promised seed of the woman. He is the Christ of God. It means this is the pronounced Messiah promised for 4,000 That's just this word. He is the Christ. That Messiah that was promised. He said he is the Lord. That term, ladies and gentlemen, in the old Hebrew and even in the New Testament Greek simply meant this. The Lord, that word, was a word preserved in the Jewish language strictly reserved for deity. And when the angel said, he's Christ, this is Messiah, and he is Lord, he is saying, this is God. And he is God. They said, he's Christ, the Lord, God. That means God. Earth invaded by the creator in the form of a baby. Earth invaded in the form of a baby. How wonderful is the word of God? Pastor, do you think those shepherds contemplated and knew all that? I don't know what they knew, but I'm glad I can tell you that when Luke recorded these words, he was the physician of all the four gospel writers. He was far more educated and took words to meet it. He understood the Greek. He understood the Hebrew. Let me tell you, there is a big message in the confession of the angel for us. And lastly, number four, verse 12 I just want to say the angel saying this. He's going to be Christ. He's going to be God. He's going to be the Lord. He's birthed in the house of bread. He's birthed in the city of David. And here's how you're going to identify him, angels. The angel described the unique circumstances of Jesus' first hours and days as an infant. Here's how God's going to come. And here's why the Jew cannot receive it. He's not coming this time on Christmas like he will when he returns the second time. How many of you know he's coming on a white stallion and he has a sword coming out of his mouth and his vesture's dipped in blood and it says on his thigh, King of kings and Lord of lords, with a glistening word and the power coming back with the saints. Had Jesus came on Christmas that way, the Jews would have accepted him greatly because they wanted out from under the iron heel of the Roman Empire. But the angel said, you're not going to find a vesture dipped in blood. You're not going to find a glistening sword. You're not going to find robes of righteousness mounted on a white stallion with the power of death and life in his tongue. He can totally conquer the world. What you're going to find is a baby. And he's going to be wrapped in peasants' garments. And he's going to be in a stinky manger where base animals live. I just want to ask you something. If you were God and you were going to send a Savior, don't ever tell me God doesn't love fallen humanity. He placed his own son in the lowest place he could so the lowliest of the world can identify with his saving power. 
Had he come to the upper class of all society, the shepherds and everybody in between, including impoverished Mary and Joseph, would have never known salvation. It's a miraculous God we serve. Luke recorded it. The angel, this will be a sign unto you. He's saying, let these facts remove and keep all doubt out of your mind. The angel gave the shepherd, literally, ladies and gentlemen, this angel gave these shepherd lads a ringside seat at the most phenomenal event in human history. They walked right up to the manger, right in that stall, and saw literally, physically, the very prophecy in living color that the angel showed them. Then a great finale of praise and a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, listen, no wonder the people in Branson and up in Philadelphia and Pennsylvania named their big theater Sight and Sound. You know what the angels heard? Sight and Sound. I mean the shepherds. What a phenomenal thing that was. The shepherds acted on this newfound knowledge. Verse 16 says they came with haste and they found things just exactly as the angel had declared. I love verse 17. We read it. They told it. The King James Version says they, they spread it abroad. The New King James said wide, widely. It simply means that everywhere they went, they did exactly what the angel said. You're going to tell this. The, the, the people who were trusted the least had the biggest message, and they showed it everywhere. But watch the response, verse 18. All who heard it marveled. Human nature is human nature, isn't it? Wow. That's my four points. I have four points for us. How about today? You ready? First of all, I want to say this. There's no doubt that God cares for the nobodies of this world. God's heart is tender and it is moved, and it is not full of pride. It is not about the concepts of human beings. We have a loving, compassionate God that cares for the nobodies of this world. The despised, the outcast, the poor, the lonely, the struggling, the wounded are like the shepherds loved by God, and they were invited to the Savior and the Sovereign's birthday. We ought to thank God for that because how many of you know that most of us couldn't qualify for an invitation if it took the elite of the world? You say, Pastor, speak for yourself. Okay, I will. I will. You ever notice, though, at Christmas, you ever notice that the spiritual urgency in the human heart when it comes to Christmas, even sometimes unbelievers, they, they always kind of begin to search for and help and try to want to do something about the less fortunate and December in our society the, the greatest contributions to charity are always found in December so we can get the tax deduction and all that but let's just look at it in the whole it says something about the fact that God puts that something about caring for people less in the heart of humanity God cares about the nobodies secondly 
He said it'd be for all people. Why, Pastor? I'll tell you why. All have sinned. All have come short of the glory of God. All are lost. All are separated from God because of sin. But the message is of the angel, Behold, salvation is here, and I will change your eternal destiny for all people. Thirdly, I want to say that this declaration teaches us that God keeps His promises. Can you imagine how far out, if that's the term we use, these shepherd lads were on that field at night, and here's this angel and this bright light and all this powerful confession of the angels to these young lad. How, how just so far out in a way of, of how can this possibly be must have struck them. And yet, all throughout the Old Testament, can I say covenant after covenant after covenant after covenant, it said Messiah will come, Messiah will come, Messiah will come. Even, I want to go back. I'm going to read you a verse of Scripture. I just want to show you. Some 800 years before, out in a little country town, in great obscurity, a little so-called minor prophet, a guy who was reluctant to be a prophet. He didn't want to be a prophet. His name was Micah. He prophesied. Listen to his words. God spoke this to him almost 800 years before Christ. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrata, Bethlehem, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. God literally fulfilled to the letter the prophecy out of an obscure young man who wanted nothing to do with it. I just want to tell you, God fulfilled that promise. God will keep his promises to us too. Fourthly and lastly, here's the best news I get to share as a pastor or as a preacher. I just wrote it like this. I didn't know what else. How to, I'm just going to put it as plain as I can. If you want to know God, God will help you find him. If you really want to know God, He will help you find Him. When the shepherds heard, they wanted to see. They wanted to know. And God sent them specific instructions on how to find the Savior. When, where, what, why, absolute. I want to tell you something. If you're searching for God today, you have to look no further. He'll help you find Him. I'm as nigh as your breath to you. That's the God I serve. I, my prayer this morning is that we pray this. Lord, let us heed and let us hear the message of the angel. And may we respond as did those shepherds. I want to come. I want to see. I want to know. In this room, how many of you said, Pastor, I heard. I've seen him in faith, and I know him. Let me see your hand. I know him. I know him. How many of you are glad you could raise your hand? This whole world's in a mess. You know why? Because we're fallen. I'm going to say something that uh, you may not like. It won't flatter humanity, but it's true. 
men and humanity, we are not basically good. Well, everybody's basically good, preacher. No, we're not. The Scripture says we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Scripture says there's none righteous, no, not one. Humanity left to himself under the curse of sin never progresses. They always digress. But yet they're driven with this God thing inside of them they want to worship. So for centuries, man has created his own God. And I've said this so many times before. When man creates his own God, the first thing he does, he becomes afraid of it. And he must sacrifice even his own life and his children to this God of his own making. You want to you hear some good news? We did not create God. God created us. And we don't have to sacrifice our children and our lives to Him and take our lives. He gave His Son for us. That's why there is no other name in heaven and earth given whereby men can be saved, save the name of Jesus Christ. He is the only one way to eternity in heaven. He's the only one with the right license to follow. But if you want to know Him, He'll help you find Him. I'll tell you how He does it. He comes to church on Sunday morning like this and He hears a message and He woos you and He draws you and He says, I want a relationship with you. I don't want you to just know about me. I want you to know me.